on today's episode of Gathering the Kings. I love to see other people win alongside me. All in all, I don't ever think I'll stop doing that at any point in time. I think I'll probably do that until I'm six feet under. You are listening to Gathering the Kings with Chaz Wolf, featuring fellow seven, eight, and even nine-figure business owners who have real battle scars from business and life, but have prevailed as the king that they are designed to be. We welcome high-performing entrepreneurs to the stage in order to reveal the real of the real on what it takes to build a successful business today. We dissect the good and bad decisions they've made along the way that give a true and accurate picture of the journey of success and how you too can get there. Through this dialogue, you will learn the value of growing your network and surrounding yourself with power players and kings like today's guest. Grab your pen and notebook because we're about to dive in. All right, everybody, I'm Chaz Wolf, Gathering the Kings. We got at the King stage here, Angela Goodman, a fellow queen. How are you today? <laughs> I'm doing great, Chaz. How are you doing? Doing wonderful. Good. We were just kind of chatting about the end of the day, Monday. Mondays are always one of those days where you're like, am I going left? Am I going right? Am I going left? Am I going? So I'm just so thankful to be here. But tell us what kind of business that you're in and, uh, and what brings you to the stage. I am actually in multiple different businesses. I have a couple of franchise ownerships of the famous Toastery here in Northern Virginia outside of DC. And that has morphed itself into several different other businesses, a couple of commissary kitchens, a ghost kitchen. I also do a lot of coaching and consulting for some small business clients because of the pandemic. That kind of sprouted about. And then I've got some dabblings in real estate from residential to multifamily, but I'm super fresh in all that, but just adding that to my efforts as well. So I love it. Yeah. I love it. So kitchen queen yeah. turned business mogul and dabbling in real estate. I love it. We're going to have lots of good conversation then. Those are oh, yeah. similar veins. But before, before we get up, jump into your story, I want to know why, like, why all of this? Why did it grow into other things? Why are you dabbling into real estate now? What's the bigger picture for you? Yeah. Yeah. So overall, the big picture for me is I just like to help other people, to be honest with you. So going into the restaurant business, it was obviously a selfish thing. I love, I love food in a lot of different ways. And then I've taken all of that business knowledge and turned it over to help other people grow their food businesses as well alongside of mine. So that's been great for me. I actually been an entrepreneur from a really young age, probably like the age of eight. Uh, wow. So when I first found out that I loved to do business type things, my mom was a, a retailer for Nabisco and had yeah. products on the shelf, candy products like Babe Ruth and or Baby Ruth and Bonkers, which you probably don't even know because <laughs> you're a lot younger than me. But at either rate, so she merchandised that stuff. She pulled it off the shelves and I snuck it to friends of mine on the school bus and sold it to them, awesome. sold, sold it to them in a corner. So that's how I started my entrepreneurial career. So ironically, food. Yeah. Also there, but um, as I say, yeah, yeah. it's deep seated for you. Yeah, absolutely. And since then, I got a couple of degrees, went to college, decided to work for someone else for 15 years, and then decided that was a bad idea and just yeah. get out there and do it on my own. That's right. That's right. Yeah. So, is the bigger picture for you? It's just in your DNA. Do you ever see yourself stopping? Is there something bigger? What? Why do you still grind even at this moment? Lots of things going on. So I think the biggest thing for me is I just love to work seven days a week because I love what I do doesn't feel like work to me. And I spend the bulk of my time helping other people to be successful. And I love to see other people win alongside me. All in all, I don't ever think I'll stop doing that at any point in time. I think I'll probably do that until I'm six feet under. Yeah, yeah. that's awesome. I love the, I think that a lot of people, you know, that other 
oh, I want to help people. But I asked you twice there. I dug a little couple different uh, directions there and, and nothing else came out. And so I'm going to, I'm going to go with that. You actually like to help people. Right. It's a true story. <laughs> I, th- I think I think that there's a level that there are a lot of people who like to help people, but it's unto rightfully so unto their whatever they feel like they're created for. Uh, but what I'm hearing you say is that you're created to help people. A hundred percent, whether it be other business owners, my own employees, family members. I'm just that's what I'm here to help people further themselves as I do yeah. that for myself. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny. I tossed around this word for a couple of years as we've as I've coached individual clients and stuff, I don't do one-on-one stuff anymore. It was business discipleship because the word discipleship of really like walking with another person through the ups and downs and all the stuff. And so that's actually what I think about when you're talking is really just, it's a lifestyle of helping people, not because of necessarily a target that you're trying to hit, um, but because of who you are. Yeah. hundred percent. I love 100%. that. Yeah. Okay. And you got started obviously in food way before you thought you did your, your side hustling yeah. candy bars. Oh yeah. Um, but tell us how you got started in the restaurant world. How did all that come together for you? So I actually spent 15 years in commercial HVAC, graduated from college with a chemical engineering degree, and then went into design work for HVAC and worked my way up through the channels and was managing about a $25 million business before I decided I was making them lots of money, but not making me near as much money as I should have been making. Um, And so I decided at that point in time, I'd always had side businesses. I started a renovation and remodeling company back in 2001 alongside my now ex-husband we ran that business together while I worked in HVAC for a number of years and so I never really bet on myself I never bet on myself I always bet on that paycheck I like to use yeah I like to go back to Ed Milet's quote right it's one of the the biggest pieces is that salary that you get and it's completely a falsehood, right? They do it just to keep you there and just to keep you from accomplishing your dreams. And so I finally decided to essentially bet on myself and went into business for myself in 2016. I found the brand that I decided to invest in from being a regular client and not having something like that to an area of Virginia that I'd moved to. And I just said, you know what, it's time. I'm just going to take everything I've got and I'm just going to go all in. And that's what I did. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. And I think with a concept like that, it didn't happen like that for me personally with Edible Arrangements, but there's a lot of other folks in yeah. the world that it happened like that for where they thought, oh, this is cool. Or in your case, I love this place, but there's not one in my area. And then you make it happen. And so was that like a, you made it sound like there was a storm brewing, right? Like I've yeah. been running a business successfully. It just wasn't my own. I hadn't bet on myself yet. What was that moment like where you're like, okay, I'm going to bet on myself now. Like what was the story in that moment? What were you doing? Yeah. you feeling? I think the biggest thing, like we talked about, I'm here to help other humans. And I was very shackled in that career because the company itself had a different opinion of how to treat people than I did. Sure. I was one of the managers who was always taking care of people, always providing for their salary, going above and beyond for them to do different things to help keep them engaged in what they were doing and grow their own careers. And the company as a whole didn't have that trajectory. And so to be honest with you, that real like nugget moment, I had an employee of mine that I believed deserved a position and the company came back and said, here's the reasons why we're not going to do that. We're actually going to pull the job and we're not going to provide any growth for anybody in that role. And so for me, that was the moment it was like, okay, this is this new leadership. We had some new leadership in place. And that new leadership just didn't have the same desires that I did and how to watch people grow in their careers. And so I decided it was time to go. It was time to get out. 
Yeah. Yeah. I think every entrepreneur can relate to that. And I think that us as entrepreneurs, we try to provide a difference of moments for our team. Because if we just replicate what burnt us, then we're not going to have any folks on our team either. And I'd love to hear just because it's the same coin. It's just the other side. I'd love to hear what you've done inside of your businesses, especially in the restaurant world where there's all sorts of level of skill sets in the restaurants. And so I'd love to hear what you're doing there to keep away from them feeling like you felt working for the big company. So I take very big into personal development, whether it be for myself or be other people. I want to see other people grow. That's the fun thing for me. I mean, it's the rewarding side of things. So I started in my restaurant managing the day-to-day for the first couple of years. I wanted to know the business inside and out. I wanted to know my people inside and out. And I wanted to grow from, from inside. So I actually started a growth program with my management team. And I had an employee who literally started as a cashier like eight hours a week because that's what we're with her schedule for her children. She is now my general manager. She has been for three years. She just bought her first house. Yeah. Yeah. And she never thought she'd be able to buy a house on her own. So for me, the thing that I do differently with my team inside my restaurant, and a lot of the reason why I have so much longevity is because I create new places for them to grow into. So she's my general manager today. I have other businesses that she can grow and evolve into. My kitchen manager that was working for me for about three years actually opened my second location for her so that she could grow into that role and run that on her own. So one of the things I've done very differently than most restaurant businesses is provide channels for people to continue their own personal development and grow into their careers alongside me. So that's been super rewarding. Yeah. I love the perspective. I think that without us knowing each other's story at a deep level, that there's a lot of similarities without us even knowing, but you're right. Creating opportunities along the way. Yeah. Uh, Cause, cause really, let's just be honest in the restaurant space. You're especially if you've poured into them, it sounds like you have, you're, they're going to work to a position to where they're either going to want to move on or you're going to create a new space for them. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and that's just the reality of it is because the business can only support what it can support. And so I think that's an amazing opportunity for the right people to make themselves so valuable that we as owners have to create new places for them. I love that. And I'm glad that I'm an owner like you, it sounds like where it's okay. Now you've actually, you've become so valuable that it puts me on my toes. And I got to think about how I can grow in order to keep up. Yeah on my team. Yeah, absolutely. It's so important to continue to elevate yourself and your own goals and your own personal development so that you can bring everyone else that's underneath you up with you. Uh, none of us in life are, should not change. Everybody should change. Everybody should grow and continue to develop over time. Time's one of the things that we can't get back. You can't recover it. So you've got to make sure that you use it valuably. And uh, I just, that's one of my big mantras. All my people know they're like, listen, you got to go where your time is best spent. And if I can find a place for you, let's do it and do it together. Yep. I love that. And they, knowing what you've poured into them, even probably within a short amount of time, know that, man, if I can get it done here, I want to do it here because of the value that you've given them, which is incredible. So, okay. So along the way, you've made some, I'm sure, good and bad decisions. I want to know the good decision first, something that just sticks out in your brain of something that we as listeners can write down and we can go implement into our own businesses. So I will say this, I think probably the best decision I ever made was really to double down in my own personal development. I think it's one of the things that entrepreneurs overlook. I think they get involved in their businesses and they forget to take care of themselves. They forget to continue to grow. They forget to continue to learn and find 
find other things that suit them for them to do. And I think that's one of the best decisions I ever made. I started it that process two or three years ago once I got the restaurants to the point where they were operating on their own. I felt very stagnant in my life. I felt, okay, I've got this restaurant. It's performing really well. I'm looking to do another one. I have these other ideas in my head. And I was like uncomfortable. It's really uncomfortable. And the reason why I was uncomfortable is because I wasn't doing anything for me. I wasn't learning. I wasn't, I wasn't reading. I read a ton now, but I wasn't reading the way I needed to continue to elevate myself. So that was probably one of the best decisions that I made in order to move my ball forward, which then moves all of their balls forward too. Yeah. Yeah. I love that perspective. Okay. And so let's flip the coin here and let's talk about something that just was terrible. Something that, man, you could go back and you change it <laughs> 10 times over. I want to know the nitty gritty. For those who have never been in the food industry, one of the things that you don't have in the food industry is cash flow. It's very hard to cash flow a restaurant. Ain't that the truth? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's very hard to cash flow a food business. And when I first got started, I had been used to running other businesses that were very large. And there's a lot of things that you can do that you don't notice in businesses like that because the cash is flowing very well. Obviously established business. So it was a fortune 50 company that I was running a division for. So cash flow was not an issue there. So I quit. I start my restaurant business. The construction process goes over a budget. So then I'm pulling to find cash for that. Then I get the doors open and the customers are not coming. There's no guarantee somebody's going to walk through your front door. So one of the worst decisions that were worst things that I didn't have a good heartbeat on was my cash flow in the beginning. And when COVID hit, to be quite honest with you, I pretty much was about a week away from having to shut my doors because I didn't have the cash flow built up. I didn't have the money saved behind me. I'd been in operation for three years. I had a $1.6 million business. It wasn't like I didn't have opportunity for that to happen. But I only had so much in reserve. And had we not gotten the PPP money so quickly, my employees, I would have had to let them all go. I wouldn't have been able to keep them on board. And so probably one of my worst decisions in the beginning that I wish I could totally take back is allocating some monies, even though whether it's 1% or 2% or whatever revenue you're doing, you don't really miss that money, put it in a freaking bank account, forget it ever happened. I found as the pandemic hit, I found profit first. I don't know if you're familiar with that yep, cash flow perfect. methodology. Yep. yep. I read that book about that time and I'm like, oh my God, why did I not have this four years right. ago? Why the hell did I not think about it that way? And right. uh, yeah, so I actually dug deep into profit first. I got certified to be a profit first professional. So I actually am certified by Mike Callowitz and, and his team to help teach other people how to use it and alter it for their own industries. Sure. Um, but yeah, that's probably, that's the worst decision I ever made was not having a better handle on that cash flow because certainly when the pan pandemic hit, I just, I didn't have the money and have the money I needed. Uh, yeah. I think a lot of businesses can relate there. It's interesting because a lot of times, especially when the pandemic specifically, a lot of victimization, a lot of external, and I could even take you back to my circumstances there, just we're talking about it of multiple locations, multiple millions, but having yeah. that moment of if sales stop, it all stops. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, you just don't really think in that moment of what could possibly happen to where sales just stop, not slow, but they stop. And so it's in those moments where you start like really thinking and getting creative about, geez, what would I do if that were to actually come to fruition? And so I think that the bigger picture that I want to just give to the listener, just as a benefactor of listening to you and I talk about this is that well, if sales never return, then there is no business. It doesn't matter how much you kept in an account. Yeah. Like, there is no business, but you can be prepared. And yeah. so I, I loved your answer on that. Yeah. I, that's why I saw I'm circling back on this is because 
if for 10 years I had been more disciplined like you, then maybe I wouldn't have necessarily been able to weather no store, no sales forever, but I probably would have been able to weather more than the time frame of a couple of months and then going, well, geez, what next? Yeah. And so I think that the reality of what you're saying is so small that most people miss it. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it's funny because until you're in that, oh shit moment and pardon my language, yeah. you know, sometimes just how it is until yeah. you're in that moment, you're right. You don't think to yourself, could I have done differently to not feel this way when I got here? And it is a lot of people did. It was a lot of victim. It was a lot of victim mentality when all of that happened. That was not me. I will say that I'm very proud of the fact that all I did was put my nose down and figure out how I was going to get food out to my customer base so that I could continue to keep revenue coming through the door even though I had no dining room. So I did a million different things from online ordering we didn't have in place to third-party delivery services to orders to neighborhoods, like 50 neighborhoods. We would go on a Saturday or Sunday morning and just drop food at people's doorstep that they ordered. Came up with a lot of creative things, but until then, I didn't know that. Until then, I hadn't written down for myself, make sure you're watching those reserves because somebody could flip a switch. And I think that's one thing that now I'm so much better for that all of that happened because with all of my businesses now, not just that one in particular, but with all of them, that's the tactics I take now, which I didn't take before at all. Yeah. hundred percent. I think that uh, even I read a more of a philosophy type book, but it lines up with profit first. It's uh, the richest man in Babylon. Yeah. Have you read this book? I have not read it, but I have heard of it. Yeah. It's like a 40 page pamphlet basically, but yeah, the (laughs) principles in there are are pretty timeless, which is you just got to, you pay your purse first, your purse first, your purse first. And neither here nor there. I love the perspective that you've gotten. It's unfortunate that we both had to go through that stickiness to be able to have it, but now we have it. And you've been able to take it into other businesses too. So what decision-making process or maybe even discipline do you have now knowing the experience that you've given to us? I think now I stick to, one of the things I didn't know before either was that I really didn't know that my main purpose was to help people. I didn't really know that I was created for that. That's something that I have uncovered over the last couple of years. And so now part of my process is I look at that first. If I get a business opportunity comes across my desk, if I get a business relationship that comes across my desk, I think to myself, is this number one going to be achieving what I'm here for? And if it's not going to be achieving what I'm here for, then I don't. And I think I'm a person who overcommits. I completely overcommit all the time because I want to help everybody. So that's what I evaluate first. That's my process. Is this getting me to the reason why I was created here on this planet? And it's very easy to say yes or no to that question. And so I feel like it's important for everyone to understand what really motivates them. What gets you out of bed in the morning? What makes you feel like you want to be your best today? And find that. And then you measure every opportunity you have against that. And that's where you start. Yeah, I couldn't have said it better myself. I love that. All right. Uh, hopefully that you're ready for the uh, the speed round here. I want to know, since you've got different industries that you're in, this might be difficult, but I'm still going to press you the same. Okay. I want you to dwindle everything down to one trackable metric that you would only be able to track that one thing forever and ever. What is it? Cash flow. I wondered you probably if knew be- that. You probably knew that. Cash flow. My flow and cash. Yeah. And so for the person who is listening right now, they're six figures, they're wearing a lot of hats, they're stressed to the max, just trying to figure out maybe where the next client or the next guest or the next project is going to come from. And here they are hearing me and you talk about systems and people and all these higher level things. And you just say cash flow. It's so simple. But what would you say to that person that I just described? 
what's most likely, especially with your profit first training, what would you say right now that they need to hear in order to get them to think like you do cash flow? They need to take 1% of their revenue and put it in a bank account and forget it ever existed. That easy. It's that easy. It's that easy because then there is cash. There is cash available when you need cash, when you've got something you got to get procured or you have something that's outside of your normal expenses and what you've got going on, you've got cash in the bank account. Take that 1% of revenue and put it in a, put it in a bank account and forget it ever happened. Don't ever look back. Don't ever look back. There nope. you go. Okay. Yeah. What book would you recommend, which this one also might be a no brainer, <laughs> but what book would you recommend that a six figure business owner read to scale? All right. Profit first changed my life. However, I have a new book that I would recommend that is also life altering. And it goes okay. back to a lot of those basics that you just alluded to, like when you're stressed and when you don't know how to handle things and when you don't know how to have good perspective on things, The Power right. of One More is an amazing book. The Power yeah. of One More. And it just came out. It just came out in June, written by Ed Milet, his most recent book. And if you've not read it, I highly recommend it. I'll send you a copy. I got lots of them, but it, it's an amazing book and it does take you totally back to basics on what you need just as a human being, how to deal with life and how to apply a one more concept into everything that you do. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I love it. Very good. Okay. Do you intentionally network or mastermind with other entrepreneurs? I do. I do. I am actually in a group called the Arate Syndicate. Our coaches are Ed Milet and Andy Priscilla. So I don't know if you're familiar with those two guys, but that's yeah. that's who our coaches are in Arate Syndicate. They founded it back in 2018. There's a little under 2000 of us in the group and we learn from those two guys, but the network is powerful. It's a lot of entrepreneurs from small and medium-sized businesses in several different industries. And so it's been great to get to know the majority of those folks and to learn from them and what they're doing. Yeah. Yep. Yep. I know several guys and now ladies. And now ladies. There's not many of us ladies in Arte, but, yeah. but there are quite a few and they're all pretty amazing. Yeah. It's a similar feeling that I have inside of our Gathering the Kings masterminds with the ladies that are involved, the Queens, because yeah. for us, Gathering the King is not a masculine thing. It's a mindset. Uh, 100%. And so same thing. Not that there's many, but the ones that come. Whew, Powerful, right? That's right. We appreciate that. Okay. I got a question for you. A unique. I didn't put it on the list. I want to put a curveball at you. Okay. If you only had one hour each week, so one hour in the week to operate your businesses, what would you do in that one hour to operate your business successfully like you do now? I would spend time with my management. Okay. I would spend an hour with them, building them up and helping them win. Yeah. And why do you think that that would need to take the one hour that you would be able to give? Because they would disseminate from there. If you really pour into people and you really have a passion for their growth and development, you're not only you're not only creating better for them, but you are creating that power within them that they want to create power with everyone else. So it's a total multiplying factor. Absolutely. Yeah. That's what I do. 100%. I love it. Okay. Last question for you, Queen Angela. If you lost it all, what would you do? I would do something else. It's funny. I tell people this all the time and I alluded to it earlier. Time is one of those things that you can't get back. It's the only thing that you can't get back. You can always recover money. So I would literally just start something else. I don't know if I would do something in the food industry. I don't know if I would take a tract of some of the other things that I'm doing, whether it be partnering with people or whether it be real estate, but I would, I would just start all over again. Like it never happened. Yeah, I love that. The mindset of just turn the page. Just win, it's man. Just go out and win every day. Doesn't matter. What I mean, I, I see now we're gonna have to do another podcast. We're so transition, <laughs> take a deep breath, listeners, grab a drink of water, come back. Part two is gonna start here on winning. Yes, uh, Angela Goodman, welcome to the state. <laughs> but in all seriousness, winning is a topic that uh, that is near and dear because I find that there are people who hate to lose, and there are people who love to win. 
And I'm a love to win person. And so I'm curious to know what you think about what I just said, hate to lose or love to win, which one maybe you think that you are. And I got some other questions about winning. So let's start there first. All right. So I am a love to win kind of person. Love to win. Okay. How did yep. you know, how did you learn that about yourself? Sports. I did a lot of sports growing up, basketball, softball, tennis. I get out there and I'm out there to compete and I love to compete and I love to win. Yeah. I've some of the biggest competitors I've met have been the hate to lose. Like they, like their drive to not lose is extremely powerful. That is not what's driving on the inside of my engine over here. It is to win. It is. Yeah. I, I don't even care. Okay. So fine. We take a loss. Fine. Whatever. Let's just get back to it so we can win. They're in the power of one more. Ed talks a little bit about your reticular operating system in your brain and you program what your brain is going to do by your memories. And if you're always thinking to yourself that you hate to lose, you actually program lose into your brain. If you program into your brain that you love to win, you program win into your brain and it just becomes a part of who you are. And then it emanates into everything you do. What I find is a lot of people that hate to lose, they hate to lose in certain aspects and certain things, but they don't apply it to their whole life. I love to win and I apply it to everything. I apply it to every communication. I apply it to my kids. I apply it to my family. I apply it to helping other people. I apply it to my businesses. I apply it to, I still play competitive tennis. I apply it to that. So it becomes something that you apply to everything when it's a love for winning. When it's a hate yeah. to lose, you only apply it at the times you feel you're competing. If that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. No, it runs deep. And I think that, I think that there's a benefit to uh, being negatively motivated or positively motivated. We move out of fear, but I love yeah. what you just said there as far as how he describes that because he's right. I think that uh, over the course of time, for me at least, winning has become an obsession. I even have this kind of this coin little phrase. I have it inside of one of our workbooks that confidence is the drug and that winning is the dealer. No, I like that. I like that. And because how many times have you and I gone into a scenario confident Maybe not 100% because it never can quite fully be, but because of the history of winning, because yeah. of the things that we've done, because of the businesses we've built or the people that we've built up, you walk into the next thing going, okay, let's see what happens. And there's this like uber confidence that, at least for me, I've been able to, I've been able to make things happen in situations simply just because of how I entered the room before I ever even knew what the situation was. Yeah. Yeah. And that is the case. You build yourself up. And I know I talked a lot about the pandemic and how the, and how difficult that was. That was actually a blessing. And the only reason I say it was a blessing is because I didn't know before that, that I was that strong. And so now I walk into the room with my businesses or I have something that's not going right, or I have something that I would like to see a different outcome with. I know right. I can make it better. I know I can, because I've already done it. So a hundred percent, that's part of your memory system. It's part of the feeling. You bring those feelings back, you anchor them in, you feel that wind, you turn it into something you can feel and see and touch again. And then it becomes something you just repeat every single day. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. Angela, how can the listeners connect with you? How can they find you? They want to get to know you better. How can they connect? So they can find me on Instagram, Angela Goodman underscore VBG on Instagram. They can also find several of my businesses. If you like breakfast and lunch food and you're in the DC area, come to Famous Toastery in Ashburn. So I'll put those up there as well. And then they can also find me on Facebook as well. Angela Jones Goodman. There you go. Yeah. I had a friend of mine, actually I had him on the show here, but I'm pretty sure he's in DC. He might be in the, on the Virginia space, or I don't remember exactly, but I'm gonna have to tell him about your space. He'll come over and Take his wife and children's to your, to your breakfast. Yeah. Tell them to come on over to Ashburn. I'll treat him right. That's right. I just so appreciate your time. Like you said, time is the, uh, the most precious thing that we have. 
you being very generous today, not only just with your time, but your knowledge. And man, I feel like we crushed the time down into one of the shortest ones, but (laughs) hardest hitting. If I'm the listener right now, I'm like, shut up, Chaz, get literally just pause and hit the replay button. So I hope that they do. And I hope that they can pull out uh, plenty here. So thank you again for your time. We wish you absolutely nothing but success and all that you're pressing your hand into, especially even those new uh, real estate deals you get into. Yeah. Thanks, Chaz. Have a great one. Thanks for listening to Gathering the Kings. We hope you got a ton of value today and learned a thing or two about taking your business to seven figures and beyond. If you desire more and want a community around you to help you get there, I want you to go to gatheringthekings.com. That's gatheringthekings.com. And I want you to apply for our next Becoming a King 90-Day Intensive. We are extremely exclusive by nature as a group. What that means is that we're really wanting only the entrepreneurs who take their business and targets super serious to apply. So if that's you, you think you got what it takes to level up your business, I want you to go to gatheringthekings.com and apply. And we will see you on the other side.